I was going to start with some jokes, because um, it is Mother's Day after all, uh, and that's the, that's the trend. <laughs> no, but honestly, I, I couldn't find anything that, like, everything was just dishonoring. Um, <laughs> there was the, I searched the entire internet, and every mother's joke was um, not nice. So, uh, I can remember some if you want to hear them, but... I just thought, actually, it's, it's, you know what, it's a day of honoring mums, so let's, let's not go there. Um, yeah, yeah. Bless you. Oh, happy Mother's Day to my mum, Joe. love you. Yep. And uh, the mother of my three children, she's around somewhere. Livy, love you. Um, <clears throat> anyway, hey, uh, I actually wanted to talk this morning um, about trust, and, uh, and I, think, I think it's appropriate. Um, but you can be the judge of that. Uh, <laughs> um, but just, uh, I've just been reflecting on this whole thing of trust. And, and actually, um, Gideon, it was, it was you on Tuesday night. Do you remember you just looked at me and you were like, it's all about trust. And I was like, yeah, wow. <laughs> um, so that was, that was quite confirming. Uh, <laughs> and, and Nicholas had a word about, about trust this week as well. So I thought that was powerful. Um, but I just want to start, you see, God entrusted uh, the kingdom to his son, right? Everyone know his son? Everyone heard of his son? His, his son's name's Jesus. Jesus, uh, God entrusted uh, the kingdom to his son. And, and how the kingdom came is how the kingdom comes, all right? So he, his desire is to entrust his kingdom to his sons and daughters. You're his sons and daughters this morning. Uh, you know that, eh? Okay, good. So, so he entrusted, Jesus, he entrusted his son to spiritual parents. And I love what you said this morning, Catherine, because um, as we grow in maturity and uh, essentially we become parents, right, to sons and daughters that he entrusts us to. Some in the natural and some in the spiritual, but uh, he entrusts us all the same. And, and he also, he wants to entrust us with his kingdom. See, it's with more of himself. He wants to lavish more of himself out upon us. And, uh, and growing in maturity looks like being counted as trustworthy. It's, it's becoming trustworthy. See, um, you and I, we all want to see his kingdom released, right? We want to see healing, yes. We want to see freedom. We want to see deliverance. We want to see signs. We want to see wonders. We want to see miracles. Uh, but it all starts here. It all starts with trust. He says to us, I want to trust you with more of myself. Be trustworthy as I know you are. It's how I formed you, as trustworthy. So, uh, Luke 16.10, this is from the Passion, but it says, um, it says, The one who faithfully manages the little that he has been given will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those that cheat with the little that they have been given will, be considered trust, uh, sorry, will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. That's quite weighty, eh? It says again, 
in Luke 6.38. We, we classically talk about this in terms of finances, but uh, it says, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It'll be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back unto you. The message paraphrase says it this way. It says, give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely just given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. That's a cool way of putting that scripture. Is that the principle is this. It's that what you give, you'll receive but in God's economy, <clears throat> he's far more generous than you are, right? You can't outgive God. He's more generous than us. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord, eh? <laughs> and, and trust operates by this same principle. See, trust begets trust. But God, uh, God is he's so generous. He's so beyond generous, in fact, that he, um, he trusts us. See, as we trust him, he, he inconceivably, I don't know, he lavishes himself upon us in trust and return. It's crazy because he's the one, he's the only one that's in, beyond comparison in terms of being trustworthy, right? God is trustworthy. You can trust him 100%. Why am I talking about this on Mother's Day? Um, because God, at some stage, he entrusted a woman with his son, and the kingdom is only entrusted to family. <laughs> I love the noise. Yeah, I've learned to. <laughs> I learned to embrace the noise. I'm an introvert. Like, I've learned to embrace the noise, even in our own home. Uh, <laughs> but it's joy, you know? And he, man, what the father must hear <laughs> of his kids on earth, eh? But he, he wants to entrust uh, his kingdom to a family. Um, he, is, he is the king of a family, right? This, this is not an institution. The world needs families. See, the kingdom is coming through his family. God is a father. He's the father of the human race. And, and uh, he has a first son. And God let his son die to bring his family together. The entire world needs a family. And, and we have this endemic problem in our culture, um, which is essentially the absence of families. See, God needs for nothing, and yet some, it blows your mind, but he set history in motion in such a way where he needs you and I. He needs for nothing, and yet he set it up in motion that he's entrusted you with power to co-labor with him as his family. That's insane. That's an insane amount of trust. Not that he's insane. Sorry, Lord. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, what he must see in you and I. What does he see in you that he would entrust the world to you? What does he see in you? What does he see in us mums, not us mums, you mums, <laughs> dads, uh, that he would entrust little people, little children into our care? <laughs> Do you see what he sees? 
do you see what he sees? That he would entrust us with his children. See, I wonder if the mums today can relate to this now. That sacred responsibility of being entrusted with children. Like he, he deems you worthy and trusts you because he's trustworthy. Gideon's taken us over the last two weeks on a, a series on communion, right? And uh, out of interest, because I'm a nerd actually, um, I, I looked up the biblical um, symbolism of the color of wine. Has anyone done that before? It looks like this. This is not wine, by the way. It's a herbal tea. But uh, <laughs> um, it represents the crushing of the grape. It's kind of prophetic symbolism. The sacrifice and the willingness to spend time in dark places. He often sends us into dark places to build his kingdom. And, and sometimes, just sometimes, parenting feels like that. <laughs> I mean, you can laugh if you want. It's fine. It's, we're a safe place, comfortable. Um, you can relate. I can relate. Uh, <laughs> he often sends us into dark places to build his kingdom. And uh, whether you have children today in the natural or in the spiritual, so to speak, um, the color of wine says, Yes, to becoming aged to perfection in dark places. Pressure-filled places. Something that's enough to make you smooth like aged wine. Why, why do you think God gave us families? That's a bit facetious. Uh, this, color, this color also represents um, the bride of Christ, right? That's us, the bride of Christ, communing with Jesus to the point of being willing to fellowship with him in his sufferings. That takes trust. That takes trust. His desire is that we would be seated with him in heavenly places, in him, on his throne, as kings. But he asks us, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Can you drink from the cup that I am about to drink. Can you drink from that cup and remain in trust? See, um, the one who says yes stays close and trusts even when the fruit is shaken from the vine and crushed underfoot. Even when the children wander, she keeps coming back to commune with him even when circumstances test her, test her trust and staying power. She doesn't complain in the wilderness uh, when there's only manna and, and water from the rock. She's willing to die to be contentedly trusting and obedient. So this is the cup of saying yes to his proposal of taking up our cross and following him. It's the ultimate sign of trusting him. But you know what? That, that, the same cup, the same cup puts like a fiery passion deep down inside. Yeah? Inside our innermost being. Any trials, any tests, it's not the end. It's just the doorway. It's the doorway into his victory. 
And on the other side is trust. This is not like a frigid, lifeless sacrifice without any victory. This trust unlocks the bride of Christ to his resurrection power. It takes her into new levels of victory. Trust is the color of overcoming victory. See, God wants to trust you. Um, God believes that you are trustworthy. He is. And he's made you in the image and likeness of himself. Uh, the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for trust, um, it's used in a lot of the, like the poetic books of the Bible, Psalms, um, is Chaucer. It's where we get the word coleslaw. Um, it's, it's figurative in its meaning, but uh, it means this. It means to seek refuge or take refuge, um, being safe and finding shelter. Think about Psalm 23. It's all about trust. The verb of that same, to trust, um, which is bortok. I'm not, I'm not. I don't speak Hebrew, so. Uh, describes someone throwing themselves down upon their face. I spent like an hour just listening to that song by uh, Matt Redman, I Fall Face Down. It's that image of lying extended out on the ground in surrender. The result is that you know that you're secure and absolute in your confidence. That's what trust becomes. What's the alternative to trust, really? The alternative to trust is control. See, control freaks, well, I won't do a show of hands, that's right. Uh, <laughs> they've, they've probably, they've had their basic trust violated, right? And so they really are, they're groping around trying to pull together any semblance of security, of refuge or confidence. Yeah? Sometimes it can even look self-righteous, but ultimately it is because they establish themselves apart from trusting God. See, if you don't trust people who are worthy of trust, you actually avoid any submission and therefore vulnerability and intimacy. The same plays out with God. See, He's trust, trustworthy. Therefore, if we submit to Him and you throw yourself face down and, and lie extended on the ground, you will find rest for your soul. It's a promise. You will find rest for your soul. You will find a shelter from the cup of suffering. You will find that you have safety and you have confidence. And it's not like a self-assurance, it's a God assurance. But without trust, there can be no intimacy. Because to trust is to make yourself vulnerable. So unlike people, God is trustworthy in every single area of life. So actually, what do you have to lose? And maybe your control. But um, David, he's one of our favorite dudes in the scriptures. It's nice to see David online too. 
Uh, <laughs> um, here's this guy. He spent years and years as a shepherd learning to trust God. Like before we hear much about him, he's just a boy in a field facing dangers with God. And David, he, he crafted the art of trust in all areas of his life for his physical safety, for his needs, for the issues of his heart, for his loneliness, for his responsibility over the sheep, the lambs. Psalm 23, he penned, the Lord is my shepherd. It, it illustrates so perfectly, um, but almost like every psalm that he wrote talks about his journey of trusting God, learning to trust God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Face down, prostrate on the ground. Like these sheep, he nourishes me by grass. He meets their needs. He's a good God who provides. He leads us to still waters. He restores our soul, allowing the Lord time to put his living water inside us and in our soul. I, um, I read this story. I love this story. Did you know that every once in a while, a ewe will give birth to a lamb and reject it? There's heaps of reasons. Is there any sheep herders in here? Any farmers? Any? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Shepherds? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you, yeah, that, there's, there's heaps of reasons why that happens, why you would reject the lamb. But um, if the lamb after that is returned to the you, the mother might even kick the poor animal away, right? Just give it a boot. Um, once a you rejects one of her, her lambs, she, uh, she never really changes her mind. And these little lambs, they'll hang their heads so low that you'd think there's something wrong with their neck. Uh, their spirit is broken. These lambs are called bummer lambs, which is also funny. <laughs> it's a bummer, you know, to be rejected by your mama. <sighs> um, but unless the shepherd intervenes, that lamb's going to die. It's going to be rejected and alone and it will, it will perish. So do you know what the shepherd does? He takes that rejected lamb as one of his own and takes it home with it. He hand feeds it. He keeps it warm, sits by the fire. He wraps it up in blankets. He holds it to his chest uh, so that the lamb can hear his heart beating. Once that lamb is strong enough, the shepherd will place it back in the field with the rest of the flock. But do you know what? That sheep... Never forgets the shepherd. Never forgets how the shepherd cared for him. Never forgets what happened when his mum rejected him. When the shepherd uh, calls for the flock, guess who do you think runs first? Yeah, not bummer anymore. That's, um, they know his voice intimately. Yeah, it's not that the the bummer lamb is more loved. It just knows intimately that the one who loves him knows him intimately. It's not that he's loved more. He just believes he is. 
because he's experienced that love one-on-one. See, so many of us are bummer lambs. <laughs> I mean, all of us have ex- experienced some sort of rejection, right? Some brokenness. Um, maybe we weren't rejected by our mum, but no parent's perfect. But the point is, Jesus is the good shepherd. And he is the perfect parent. And he reparents every single one of us. You know, if Mother's Day conjures up for you some pain, you need to know that he longs to care for you. For your every need, he desires to hold you close to his heart that you would hear his heartbeat. We may have been broken, but we are deeply loved by the shepherd. You see, he restores us so that we actually come to know that we are accepted, we are adopted into his family, grafted in and loved, greatly loved. This is, uh, this is the spirit of adoption. We talk a lot about sonship. This is the spirit of adoption. It breaks the need for control. It, uh, it, that whole self-protective resourcefulness just falls away. Because when the shepherd adopts you, you learn to understand uh, what it is to be a child of God. Adopting you into his likeness, the likeness of God, to release your soul and transform you by the power of his love. See, we don't earn his love, we rest in it. That's my, that's my screen, what do you call it? My lock screen. Children don't, yeah, children don't earn love, they rest in it. It's a reminder to me, <laughs> um, but it's also for me. See, God trusted David with kingship over his kingdom because he learned to care for the little lambs. He, he proved himself trustworthy over the little ones. He, he suffered a lot. He suffered heaps. And yet he postured his heart in trust. You can see it expressed through his worship, right? Through his prayer and communing with God. He spent years with only God, playing his harp and pouring himself out. David demonstrated like new covenant prayer beforehand. Yeah, synonymous with worship. I've been to some boring prayer meetings. Sorry, I'm allowed to say that, eh? You know, when you're like, oh, this is so dry and oh, really? But you know, new covenant prayer is worshipful. It's life-giving. It's that harp and bowl. It's described in Revelation 5.8. It says, Now, when Jesus had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of all of you, his saints. In this vision, John sees heavenly worship as Jesus takes the scroll which eventually will unleash his return to the rule, the earth. And throughout scripture, that theme is consistent. Worshipful prayer is powerful, it's influential, and it's part of God's plan to glorify his name and to bring his kingdom. Do you know David employed something like 288 singers and 4,000 musicians? 
Yes, he employed them. I look forward to that day coming back. <laughs> uh, he, he employed them to serve the Lord as their full-time occupation. Whoa. Teams of singers took shifts day and night to minister to God around the Ark of the Covenant. And many years later, in Acts 15, James linked the, the Gentiles receiving salvation with the rebuilding of David's tabernacle. And this is what he was talking about. It said it would lead to the gospel spreading to the ends of the earth. Acts 15, the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And even to this day, millions are coming to know the good shepherd worldwide to be represented into, or reparented into his family. See, um, the primary power that you and I have and co-working with him is through prayer. It's always the, um, if you notice, it's always the first thing to slip in our lives. As parents, anyway. Uh, <laughs> in churches, though, in nations. You know, the first thing to slip when we stop trusting him is prayer. It's kind of a litmus test for, prayer, for trust. Trust in the Spirit. Do you trust him more than you trust yourself? Yes, that's why I pray. No, it's kind of obvious if you look at my prayer life. Now, if he's whispering um, right now, if you, hear, if, you hear, if you hear something that sounds like I've got to do something or I've got to do more or I've got to have something to be something, um, those, are, those are the lies of the orphan. But you're a son, you're a daughter. So even if it's just praying uh, with the motivation that I want to do something for Jesus, <laughs> it's not about that. It's not about what you do that makes you who you are. It's about who you are that makes you do what you want to do. See, prayer, <laughs> prayer is a byproduct, right? It's a byproduct of trust. It's like fruit that grows as you cultivate the plant. It takes time to develop, but you'll get there. I'll get there. Last year, hey, Han, thanks, Han. Come on up. Get, start cranking. Um, yeah, last year, um, Richard and I had a couple of times in prayer, and um, it was very intimate. It was very intimidating, actually. Uh, we sat in the foyer out there, and... Um, no distractions, no music, no. Um, but we expressed our trust in God out loud with each other. And, and the fruit I believe we're seeing in our, in our men's group, it correlates with trust. See, giving over your control to Him, surrendering to His leading. There's no, there's, there's no comparing contrast um, we're, not, we're not comparing each, ourselves to each other or, you know, um, any of that stuff. It just kind of falls away. Orphans compete. We don't have to. Because we complement each other as sons and daughters. And this is a family business. We all get to win together. So you get to be yourself. I'd love it if you stand with me.
James 4, 8 says that He draws close to you when you draw close to, to Him. Trust Him. Trust. It's like the ultimate love language. You can see it in your prayer. And I really believe uh, this morning that we are to trust Him. I'm saying this to, to the mothers out there, trust Him. I'm saying that over our kids, trust Him. Talking to God about our kids is an act of, of trust. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the plans that you have for our lives. They're good. I thank you that you have a future for me and for everyone here, and it is full of hope. I thank you that you are restoring my life to greater wholeness. I thank you and I praise you that you are my healer, you are my deliverer, you are my provider, you are my redeemer, you are my father, you are my comforter. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. Thank you that I can depend on you. Your word says that you're unfailing. Thank you that you're trustworthy. Teach me to trust you, God. I trust you, God. I want to be trusted by you. I desire to be trustworthy. Oh, that you would look upon me and I would resemble you. That my heart would be conformed to yours. I ask that you would break off my need for control. I ask that you would heal my woundedness, the rejection I still carry, any semblance of the orphan spirit. I have a home in you. You're my good shepherd. Bless our mums this morning as we honour them today for the gift that they are. We ask that you would protect our children Give them a heart to know you. Nurture them. Just as Usher prayed at the start. Nurture them that they may overflow with your love and they may keep their trust in you alone. 